This is episode 49 of Brick and Data, a podcast dedicated to retail news, analytics, and tech. We cover trending retail headlines, interview some of the biggest players, surface game changer technologies, and explore how retailers are surviving and thriving. Coming up in this episode. Amazon is your new stalker. Kidbox. Can algorithms dictate taste? Weird news of the week. And more in this episode of Brick and Data. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Brick and Data podcast. This is Todd Harris, and as always, I'm joined by Jose Chan. Hi, Jose. Hey, Todd. Hi, everyone. So it's been a little little while, Jose, since we've done a, an actual episode. We've had some interesting interviews that we've been pushing out out the door. Some some needed to be pushed out quicker than others. Um, you know, we we like to not let too much time go by after we do an interview to to get it out. But hey, you know, everyone's got a got a pipeline of content that they have to get out. And we try to push it out as fast as we can. So we usually sacrifice our our regular episodes for those. But it's nice to be back back yes, and doing yes, the, doing the thing again, right? So let's talk. Uh, let's talk Amazon. Let's let's talk Amazon because it seems like everyone else in the world is every day, and there's absolutely legit reason to this week. Because not only do we have more Amazon news, it's it's getting even creepier. Um, <laughs> you know, we're gonna have. I was gonna call this section instead of Amazon is your new stalker. I was gonna call it Bezos bots, because I feel like. <laughs> We are just, we're going to have just little Bezos bot heads walking around our houses soon, exploring what we're looking at, offering us new things when we don't even want them and appearing out of nowhere in our, in our, I don't know, maybe in our, our car air vent. I don't know. <laughs> I hope not. I no. hope that that's not the case. No. <laughs> what, what's interesting about this overall is that it is what we're really talking about um, is privacy. Right. It, yeah. it seems like it seems so natural, all of this tech that's infiltrating our daily lives, that uh, this component of utility and convenience override our privacy. So are we giving up our privacy? I don't know. That's a question I think about. Yeah, it's it's very interesting because it's um, as I was looking through scouring the web with various iterations and takes, <clears throat> excuse me, takes on this whole Amazon deal with so there's there's two there's two things here that we can cite we can cite as reasons why this is getting creepy. Um, so one is that they're looking at you know they're already prototyping and examining um, home robots. So not just not just the little guys that run around your house and uh, you know clean up your floors for you that we've been around for a while, but actual some type of intelligence in those robots. Um, this is beyond any Amazon device we currently have in the home. And they're also looking at um, partnering, which they've already have partnering with uh, car dealer, not car dealers, car brands such as Chevy and Volvo, uh, I believe it's GMC, Buick, Cadillac, uh, of being able to deliver to your car. So it takes a certain type of vehicle to allow Amazon to open your car trunk or car door or whatever to be able to put that that package in there. So there's use cases for both of these. But again, like you said, Jose, there is a sacrificing of privacy to get these things but man do we love our convenience you know i mean all this talk <laughs> with with facebook and probably now google about owning our data and you know who knows what they do with our data but while they have our data they're able to offer us so many insights on you know where we've been where we're going pictures from a certain time certain year 
certain location because they knew we were there, you know, they knew we were there with certain people, they knew we were probably shopping for a certain thing. Yeah, they know all these things and we love what they can do with it, but then we come around the other end and say, oh crap, you've got all of our data. You know way too much about us. Now you want to get in our house. Now you want to get in our cars. And as we've been looking through this, I found a very interesting quote from uh, a gentleman who always has opinion on the opinion on opinions on this and another professor type there, uh, Professor Chan. Um, his name is Scott Galloway. If y'all watch his videos online, he's very entertaining. He's a NYU Stern School of Business professor, and he was on CNBC yesterday. He said, Amazon is the only entity that can get in your home without your permission other than the fire department or police department. And police need a warrant to get in. That was a really good point. Of course, it's your permission to get in, but yeah, I see his point, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so look, there are two... There are three keys here, right? That I, that I see that we're talking about. Uh, the, the keys right. are, it, it's innocuous uh, tech. It seems innocuous enough, but what what are we seeing? I mean, in these three keys that they're using is the robot market. So the Vesta is the name of the robot. Uh, is using computer vision. Uh, and, and right now it's still in its prototype stage, so a lot of rumors are flying around. But what is known, it is called the Vesta robot. Mm-hmm. And we know that the robot market will be worth $15 billion by the year 2023, uh, which is an estimate from Research and Markets. Uh, currently this year it's $5.4 billion. So and that's generically speaking, right? Just across industries, not just for yeah. retail. Exactly. Right. Okay. Yeah. Across just okay. the market. So that's, that's one piece. But Look, if they're in your home, they're using com- cameras, computer vision, navigate your home like a self-driving car, that that's a little, I don't know, it's a, at least for me a little bit too close for comfort, one. Two, the other thing that you mentioned is Amazon Key. Uh, that is getting into your car. That, 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 that's a little bit less, let's say, creepy, but still it seems convenient. Mm-hmm. But it's almost, you know, you can make the case, oh, yeah, we're really um, protecting you from what one would call porch pirates, people that steal your packages or might uh, borrow them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but that that's okay. So, well, so hold on a second. Little... So you know how they did, they started off with the, I feel like they got it backwards. So they started off with the home delivery, meaning in your home, right? So using yeah. whatever, whatever, whatever they're able to use to get in there. Um, I feel like it's a hell of a lot invasive to start with Amazon key or, you know, let's deliver to your car trunk rather than maybe it changes the market changes who they can sell this to and who would be interested in this can, you know, either urban or, or uh, non-urban environments mm-hmm. based on who has cars and who doesn't. But it seems a hell of a lot less invasive to say, <laughs> can I just drop this package off in your car instead of, can I open your door and get into your house, drop a package off? Yes, I fully agree. Fully agree. So why? Which brings us. You know? Yeah, I, I don't. I think they're just experimenting, and mm-hmm. maybe it just kind of came up. Oh, this would be a great idea. Let's try it out. Which mm-hmm. is what they generally do. Because the third key, right? Think about it. Is uh, I believe it was last week that Bezos actually said that there were a hundred million Prime users, yeah. right? Yeah. That that's a pretty big chunk of the U.S. population. And that would lead us to believe, as we're saying here, that utility and convenience override privacy, because this whole privacy issue is a big concern. At least to me, it is. No, no. I, I'm very, you know, after what you're saying about 
Facebook and Google, um, this is <laughs> innocuous, right? Or, or so it seems, but it really isn't at all. It, it's, and I'm, I'm not sure if there is a solution, a perfect solution for this is we're not really thinking about these things. We think that they're convenient, but not really. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm not quite, uh, it, it might be a little bit before, uh, the public is ready for this kind of thing, especially mm -hmm. the, well, I was going to say, especially the robot, but it was, do you remember in the early eighties, there was this little robot thing that was created by the founder of Atari. This little robot is it called Topo Robot in the early 80s. Uh, you and I Topo. are of age that we should probably remember that. But um, it was this little simple robot. You could program it and have it move around just a little bit using your okay. Apple computer. So at the time, it was like the Apple II, the Apple IIe. That was my first computer, I remember. It was awesome. The best thing ever. It was the coolest thing that. ever, right? Um, yeah. And it, 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 that was the first stab at some type of robotics. And it just obviously... It didn't take this isn't this isn't at all what obviously amazon is going for they're not i highly doubt we're going to see this three foot tall robot that's shaped like a you know a robot literal robot uh you know walking around our house that's not right on wheels or anything like that i'm sure it's going to come out to be some type of um completely different being you know in some type of i, I just don't i don't know maybe it will be i, I just don't think it's going to be this life-size robot of any source but whatever it is it's got to have more intelligence obviously or more capabilities than those robots of the 80s did which were just you know plastic things that you could literally just move around but of course like i mentioned before those irobots the roombas and uh irobot corporation roomba is the vacuum which has dominated the market and has become a household staple in a way for many right being able to have this robot in your house cleaning your floors so maybe yeah, I, we're used to that kind of thing, but what will Amazon produce here? Like, what is this thing they're going to put in our house? Who knows? And I think that's where the, the rumors begin, but that doesn't take away. Uh, I mean, we, we, we could say, I, I guess the easiest thing to say without really being concrete because we don't really have facts other than knowing that they're creating something is a mobile Alexa, if you will. What that means, sure. who knows? I, I have no clue. But what I do know is that as I think about this more, and we're talking about this more, I c continually um, go back to this whole privacy thing, right? Of like having, you know, it, if it has computer vision, it could guide itself, it could see, it could pick up, it could hear, much like Alexa, mm -hmm. and record conversations, right? Mm -hmm. Think of the implications. Um, like Gmail, right? Gmail, another innocuous, let's say, kind of, oh, it's free email. But no, if you... Look at the waiver that you're signing. Mm -hmm. Essentially, the contents could be mined for data for everything that we say right. on Gmail. No, that's true. That's true for Gmail, and that's true for any voice-activated system that we use. If you notice, you know, if you're using Siri, if you're using Google Assistant, um, it's it does it does tell you every once in a while. At least Google Assistant does that when you do speak into it, ask it something. If you say, hey, "Where's the closest?" Uh, I don't know where's the closest podiatrist <laughs> um, <laughs> it'll log that like that's in your record until you delete all of that data that, that that google has it will that'll be in there forever that you asked on april 25th uh 2018 that you wanted to find a podiatrist and depending on what that query is you know <laughs> uh yeah it gets a little invasive that kind of stuff so it is interesting however that's something we're used to right we're, we're sort of used to those things being in our houses at this point 
Um, so having that, like you said, having that robot be equipped with some type of tech, uh, some type of intelligence that leverages those assistants that already exist out there in the ecosystems, especially for Amazon, is uh, is going to be a staple item. There's no doubt. I'm more curious about the rest. Yes. Yep. I I, I, I agree with that. But what I what troubles me is the fact that again, this innocuous component that may become yes a staple item, but then what choice do we have as consumers in terms of what we would like to share or not? Yeah. That that that's the unclear part, which I think is the whole point of what we're talking. The reason we're talking about this is is that where does privacy really come into play? And, mm-hmm. and that to me is a bit uh, a bit troubling, actually. Yeah. Well, thanks to Facebook sloppiness, we're uh, we're all going to be hearing more about that. There's no doubt about it. You know. Yeah. All right. Let's let's move on. Let's move on. Topic number two: Kidbox. Kidbox. So Kidbox, uh, we found this interesting. This was worth worthy of a mention because we've spoken about uh, we've spoken about Stitch Fix and many of those other subscription ish services. And while there are differences between the two, this this touches a different market. This touches that that, in my opinion, slightly risky uh, children's clothing, kids clothing market here, Jose. It seems like it's it's personalization for your kids' clothing, uh, assisted by mom or dad, figuring out a style profile and, uh, you know, essentially periodic box delivered to you for your kid, depending on their styles here. And this, this is using an older model that's been in existence for a while, but moving into a newer market, right? Which makes a lot of sense, because if you think of this market, let's think of of demographics. Demographics dictate a lot of um, what happens at a given point in time. Like, for example, today, uh, the biggest size, or let's say the biggest chunk of the population, as we've talked about for, you know, many episodes, uh, are are millennials and baby boomers. But the ones that are really driving the trends currently, uh, in terms of a lot of these things, are the millennials. So in this case, with millennials having children, this makes perfect sense because if numerically or in concrete numbers, uh, they are a big chunk of the population, this is the perfect, let's say, type of business that would appeal uh, to millennials that have grown up with subscription services like a Birchbox, like uh, Trunk Club, or any other subscription service Mm -hmm. that we could think of. Mm Yeah, no doubt. It it does seem to leverage a a captive audience, and you know, kind of k- gets them say, hey, let's 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 do the same we did for you, but for your kids now, and you're you'll totally welcome us with open arms. Uh, we don't know if they will, and and I, I should add, as before we get too much further into Kidbox, we aren't sponsored by them. We're not bringing them up because we have any kind of sponsorship. We'd love one, but we we're not. Um, but we just found this interesting. We found this interesting because it just keeps pushing forward that that concept of let's personalize what you have. Uh, what, at least what what is right, what we think is right for you based on um, a whole lot of machine learning and, you know, an algorithmic work that works on an existing product catalog that they have at any given time, which changes by the season. So that's an interesting side note here is that Kidbox sends out seasonally instead of um, a subscription monthly service, I believe. Is that right, Jose? Yeah, 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 exactly. Right. Which is really interesting because it's the equivalent of getting what is in a catalog delivered to you <laughs> seasonally. Hey, what do you mean? So, so, yeah, so if, 
if you think of the old world of catalogs, catalogs, um, I mean, you, you still get a lot, or one still gets a lot of catalogs, let's say Crate and Barrel or William yeah. Sonoma, whatever it is. They come out all the time, but it, there was a time when, before that, if you think of um, J. Crew, one of one of their biggest businesses um, in the mid '90s was the catalog business, and they used to have seasonal catalogs, mm-hmm. spring, summer, fall, winter, etc. Before they got into the monthly thing, and this is much like that, right? Good point. Which is it's kind of like having the spring summer catalog, but not only do you get the spring summer catalog, you get the spring summer outfit personalized for your child. But does that mean they only get, like, your kid, your boy or girl, then only gets a box from them four times a year? Uh, probably, probably I, I'm monthly, sure. monthly, right? Yeah, it would have to be monthly. Yeah. Hmm. Well, they say it's not a subscription service, so I'm not sure what's up with that. I'm guessing it's just you, you whenever you want it, whenever you see a new, so it's, so say it's the summer season, right? So that's yeah. what's out right now. Um they would, uh, you know, send out, here's, you know, here's what we recommend for your child based on your profile that you helped him or her create that we have for this upcoming season. You know, this is the fee for this, this box or a box of this one for one box of it. Right. Um, of, uh, you know, the selection of, of shoes, shirts, jackets, whatever it might be. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, currently look, it, it, it says, uh, in the, um, article referencing it's sent out seasonally. It should be, I think, perhaps monthly. But they're testing and iterating to see what might work best. I, I don't think the Got model it. is clear a hundred percent. I mean, the company started two thousand fifteen, so it takes a little while to, I, I think, figure out exactly um, what what the full model is. Because in in addition to this, they're also uh, la- launching their own private label brands. Um, mm. Right, which makes it no, very that's, that's juicy, yeah, interesting, yeah, and it, it, it's it's really interesting. So I think it's evolving as we speak right now. How long have they been in existence for? Yeah, two thousand fifteen. Two thousand fifteen. They've got a couple rounds of funding, I believe, right? Yeah, yeah, because the big news is that they just uh, raised uh, um, fifteen million, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Series B, and, and to date. They've raised twenty-eight million. Got it. So that's that's a pretty good uh, good amount. It is. It is. Yeah. I mean, I wonder also gender-wise if this will be more successful with, you know, of uh, with with girls of a certain age. You know, if they're so say their age range is, um, I don't know, what do you think? It's like maybe five to twelve or something. Maybe yeah. it's size or something. Yeah. I don't know. I wonder if it'd be more successful. I wonder if it'll 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 jump on the the justice train in a way, you know, try to find these try to find the the new in trend styles that um that you know, girls will want at that age. I know that boys, so having one of each, I know that boys also are are a little bit less affected by this. They're more like, "Hey, I want, you know, this sports team's jersey or I want, you know, just just Adidas." gear or you know what i mean like it's a little a little bit different i think but i also wonder you know boys of a younger younger age are a little bit more like this where the parents will still be you know putting them in the appropriate outfits for school and like dressing them up like because the the kid hasn't really formed a an opinion yet on that stuff you know what i mean like it's right they hit a certain age right where they become pickier i think 
Um, and it seems like the parents in this are very tied into the process. At least that's what it seems like from the article we read about Kidbox. Is that in order for this to work, obviously, you know, when you have a child who's five, six, seven, eight years old, you're not just going to put them on a profile page and say, answer these questions. And what do you like? What do you don't like? It's going to be a joint process. And of course, mom or dad are going to have a very heavy input on the answers. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and if you think about that question, there are two ways to proceed. Either you're going to grow with your customer, meaning that uh, let's assume that the age range is 5 to 12, right? So either right. You, as they grow, then you'll change your offerings over time uh, and then, you know, slowly move that and skew that till teenage teenagers. Or you could stay with the same consumers. Yep. Oh, it says uh, newborn to size 14, by the way. It would have been yeah. a good idea to actually look at their website before talking. But yeah, yeah. Uh, Newborn to size 14. So that's, that is a hell of a spread. That, that is, yeah. which is roughly up to 12, right? I mean, it's like zero to 12 or a few months to 12, roughly. Exactly. So in that case, I think it's too early for them to even know themselves. I think they, they just need to figure out what's working, what isn't. And yeah. I think it is a viable market for, for them to really absolutely is tackle. Absolutely is. I think it's going to be a, I think it's gonna be huge anything with yeah as you were saying that millennials <clears throat> having children those first few years you know you're dressing them up like a like a like a doll right and things like this are are just more fuel for that for them once right. they do that so they don't have to go to you know i don't know to whatever there's plenty of stores out there i don't know if you can name any jose but there's plenty of them that are dedicated to that age but this certainly makes you know this certainly makes that that theme of let's 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 see what you really you know what you like answer these questions we'll personalize it use our algorithms against our inventory against our style against our human team of stylists and based on what your child likes or what you want your child to like we will give you this this uh this stuff which is which is quote unquote in style now so i think that'll right. definitely scratch that'll scratch that itch for sure um yeah for, for new parents that's there's no doubt about that yeah, because they, they carry around 30 kids brands and um, now it's grown. That's how they started. And then now they're up to 100 brands for kids, uh, yeah. ages newborn to 14. And so names that they include would be retail brands or let's say brands that we know that may not be retailers yep. and also uh, maybe have retail stores. So uh, DKNY, Puma, uh, Reebok, Diesel. Um, are some of the brands that they carry. Um, other companies that you might think of that actually carry children's wear would be companies like Old Navy, right? They have a kid section yep. because kids grow up so quickly. Um, you really don't want to spend a lot, which is another thing that I, I, I you'd have to consider. Uh, how much, what, what's your willingness to pay for something uh, when a child is still growing um, based on how quickly they'll grow out of it? So true. How much, yeah, how much do you want to come out of that wallet of yours when it's going to be uh, pretty much going to go in the bin um, or being donated or being passed on to a friend just uh, a month or two later? So there's no doubt about that. All right, so taking this theme, so now that we've kind of, you know, done the kid box thing and you know, I think we're both fans, I think it's going to be interesting to see how this how this turns out for them. We'll keep on that for sure. It brings up the next topic, which which takes that theme of 
of personalization, uh, you know, algorithmic machine learning, algorithmic decisions, machine learning, driving personalization. And can it actually impact what we like? You're right. So our taste, that's, that's the theme of this one. Can, can algorithms, can data tell us what we like in a way? Um, it, I think we're getting a little bit, you know, we're theorizing here. We're getting into an, a little bit of philosophy maybe, but there is that question of, of taste. What, what is, what is telling us what we like and what we don't like? And is it a revolving door in that way? Are we truly feeding the beast by, you know, enabling these retailers and, um, these different, uh, these, these different devices like Amazon look, for example, um, are we just, are we enabling it to know what we like in a way that we already know what we like, if that makes any sense, right? So what is that sign that we know what we like and how does it, how does this, how does this, how do these algorithms, are these algorithms all that, I guess is the question. Are they just kind of regurgitating what we already knew? Which is a really good question, right? If you think about that, that is, that, that, that's a fascinating question because let's think of, uh, there, there are two quotes that I'll, I'll, uh, site. One was Montesquieu in 1759. Natural taste is not a theoretical knowledge. Oh my it's... God, I haven't heard Montesquieu since college. Jeez. <laughs> Just twitched a little bit. <laughs> it's a quick and exquisite application of rules which we do not even know. That's, that's one. And then two, this is from an Italian philosopher, Giorgio Angamben, Right. Uh, Not a very Italian last name, so I don't know what's up with that. But okay. <laughs> the first name is I can't. Giorgio can't is. Yeah. Name. Yeah. Um, had uh, wrote a book uh, in 2017, Tastes, and he talks about um, taste is historically defined as a form of knowledge through pleasure, from perceiving the flavor of food to judging the quality of an object. So he says that it's essentially the human capacity um, to point. Uh, that out, which is almost subconscious. Right. Uh, we know whether we like something or not, and we understand why. So both of these, the reason I bring these up, it's very subjective, mm-hmm. right? It, it, there isn't really, how could we really know what we don't know? But it's like, right? we don't, and, we're, we, we're not, uh, yeah. So it's like, we, um, we, we exhibit tastes. Like we, we the things we do, the little, the micro movements we make. So the, the, the clicks we make online, the, the walk, the, the path we take between shelves in a store, the shirts we lift up to look at further, the ones we put down, the ones we've bought in the past, the ones we haven't bought in the past, um, little things like that, you know, kind of strewn over multiple times, multiple people, uh, over many months are these little, these little blips of what, what our taste is becoming in a way. And it seems like the question here is algorithms. Are they determining our taste or are they just taking these little signals that we provide it over a certain amount of time and just being smarter about turning those signals into actual, oh yeah, you like this. You know, this is, you know, this is what you like. After all those things you were fumbling around doing for the past two weeks, this is what you like, right? So here you go. Here's this red hat, Todd. This is what you like because this is roughly what you, all of your clicks and actions in the past six months have led to. 
Sure. I, don't know. I mean, it seems like there's something there's something about that where there's some things that we can't recognize being humans. Just it doesn't stick out to us immediately as taste, as, you know, turning what we have actually done physically, mentally, whatever, and turning that into a finale, uh, like a, a certain level of finality to it. Saying in the end, okay, here's your answer. You're all these little things equated to this firm taste. Right. And, and it's, it's, it's very amorphous, right? Which is why it's sometimes <clears throat> hard to wrap one's head around because if it's made very concrete uh, in the way that, let's say, algorithms or a set of rules are applied to a personalized online or mobile, so let's say, or any type of digital um, environment, then you realize, well, maybe I don't like any of these things. And sometimes less is more. And is it really right? I mean, or, or is it something, and, and, per, and the question then becomes, how much choice am I giving up for this? And it, was it really my choice to actually choose this in the first place? Or yeah. was it just placed in front of me with all as the little crumbs, as you said, or signals that were there yeah. and placed there for me? And now I'm forced to make a choice rather than being free to choose right. oh, something that I wanted. Uh, yeah, I, it it does it does a level of, um, there's I guess a, the level of subconscious here that is driving us a certain direction and we don't even know. It seems like this is this is the weird thing is that there's the question you know yeah I mean the question is are we just blind to a certain point where where machine machine learning and algorithms can detect. You know, there are, there are eyes for what we can't see in a way. Um, exactly. Some type of conversion. Because in a way. Sorry, you can say. No, oh, you just got a little a little crunchy there over Skype. Go ahead. Uh, okay, am I? Can you hear me now? Oh, you got super crunchy again. Yeah. Maybe just. Uh... How how about now? Ah, there you go. That's better. Okay. Yep. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that oh, I just lost um, what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> so I think you know the whole thing is that we're trying to figure out here is that you know is is there a certain level of uh, what it what is you know in the end what is taste is it is there a certain amount of subconscious that we we don't know that we like something when we already do type mm. of thing and that that's part of the thing that we're trying to figure out here and I think this is the whole baseline of. Of many, uh, much of the technology that we see in retail right now, that is trying to help retailers make these decisions, help consumers understand what they want to buy. Um, and this is again, you know, coming back to the privacy angle, you know, coming back to what we were talking about before with Facebook and Google and Amazon, and getting closer and closer to us being humans, and uh, you know, trying to get closer to just us. And understanding yeah. in our houses, you know, what do we want? What do we talk about? What are we asking it? What are we looking sure. for? You know, are these little signals of questions that we're asking Google, questions that we're asking Siri every day and directions we need and, um, you know, things we're looking for are all these little signals about what we like and what we want and when we want it and what our, in the end, what our taste is. We just don't know we're giving that information away yet. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And if you think of what is the original algorithm, it's really human beings 
Sure. Right. We are effectively um, because, let's say, AI, um, using a very broad term, um, is mimicking or trying to mimic human intelligence or behavior. Um, really, we're it, it's a reflection of us. And so the yep. question then becomes, at what point do we lose ourselves once we relinquish, um, let's say, the decision rights to, uh, let's say, an algorithm, mm-hmm. right, that is dictating what we should be doing based on signals that are bigger. So let's say, let's make this up. Let's say fuchsia is the color of a season. Um, does that mean that because everyone's buying it, that I should buy it too in this particular form as a top or bottom? Or does it mean that I go counter? And is that my own personal taste to go counter? Well, it sounds like you're 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 asking how did the 1970s come about, right? So it's like, <laughs> well, so, I would add polyester to that. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. How how did those horrible things come about? Like, why did that happen? Why did the 80s happen? Why did we wear those ridiculous, uh, you know, ridiculous shirts? And yeah, I mean, there's I don't know. I I don't know. But we didn't have those quote unquote algorithms back then, right? So we didn't have those things dictating or advising or something. Now, does that just means sure. we're does that mean we're operating at a faster pace now, possibly? Maybe things Possibly. change quicker, tastes evolve quicker, styles because change quicker, and it makes it a hell of a lot harder for retailers to be able to keep up with it, which probably defines much of the instability we've seen in the market over the past few years. Right, right. And But let's take one step back. What we did have were human beings dictating taste. A human being as an arbiter of taste, if you will, right? So let's go back a little bit in time, not terribly far back, but let's go back pre uh 2000s like let's go back to 80s 90s you yep. still had let's say taste makers if you will uh like magazines like when there was a magazine industry where the magazine along with the brand would dictate the look of a season and it was the chief merchant right the time of merchant princes when she or he would dictate the look of the season and everybody followed mm-hmm. right or not if you want to be contrarian you didn't but now that has been somewhat relinquished given the complexity of the business that we're in today, of the business of retail. Yep. There's no doubt. Man, we got, we got really heady with this one, didn't we? Super philo- philosophical and, and, and uh, it was really intense. I think we need to step back. Too much, Jose. <laughs> Too much. <laughs> we're not that podcast, okay? <laughs> let's, let's leave it at that. Yeah. So, I mean, we're, we, there's absolutely a, a question here of what's uh, we're still in the early days of all this. So we'll see. We'll see. We'll see how it all how it all pans out. But it's an exciting time. And um, there's no doubt about it. Uh, you know, seeing many of these retailers, many of these new technologies take advantage of this concept, trying to control it is is where it's at. There's no doubt. And we saw it before with, uh, you know, with uh, Kidbox and um, many, many others we've spoken about in previous episodes where they're they're latching on to that that concept and trying to take control of, of telling us what we like based on little, little signals. So sure. Good concept. I think we definitely need to revisit it. Um, and, uh, and keep on it. It's, it's a really, it's really interesting, interesting yeah. thought. Maybe take a look at that book. Taste. 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 Which, which brings us to our next, uh, closing segment. Weird news of the week. <laughs> so weird. Well, what do you think of this? Adidas launching a dad shoe for summer 2018. You say Adidas, I say Adidas. And yes, either way, doesn't matter how you say it, it's ridiculous looking. And we're going to put it in the show notes. 
Um, it, it's got. Is it a joke? It's not a joke, is it? We're not being trolled or anything, are we? <laughs> I just saw it. <laughs> I don't know. The Jung One. No, that's what it's called. The Jung One. Yeah. Chunky I, design, thick sole, mix of suede and nylon materials. Uh, make it look like a dad shoe. It looks like an 80s sneaker is what it looks like. It's awful. It's awful. I mean, God, I don't know. I mean, for those of us that are dads, it's that's insulting. It's like, <laughs> I'm insulted. I'm like, I, none of my shoes look like that, hopefully. Uh, and, and, and nor would I wish that on my worst enemy. So, uh, it, it, it says, um, the, so here's, here's, here's an interesting thing. It says, the young takes, the young one takes inspiration from the old. The shoe upper is based on the falcon dwarf an adidas running shoe from the 90s that name <laughs> jesus i just think of dwarf on golf from dwarf on golf from the late 80s early 90s anyway um the soul however is all new it's been updated for the modern world though it is no longer going to be the pinnacle of running technology i feel like this is a joke this has yeah. to be a joke i i can't take it so we're not going to talk too much about this but holy crud it's ugly. It's disgusting. It's vile. Stop it, Adidas. Adidas. Whatever. Adidas. Adidas. They said it's okay, actually, to say what you I, I don't know what to say about this uh, um, design here. <laughs> Makes me sad. Makes me sad. I think it should be it should have been kept in the vault. It should have been kept in the vault or, or released on April Fool's Day instead. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Weird news of the week. Lovely. Well, that, that is the show. Thank you, everyone, for listening. If you have questions, comments, feedback, uh, we talked about sponsors earlier. If you want to be a sponsor, let us know, too. We're happy to take a few here and there. Uh, you can email us at brickdatacast at gmail.com. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Pocket Cast, Stitcher, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Any of those places you, you eat, your, you eat your, pod, your podcast daily. But until next time, everybody, take care. Jose, take it easy. You, too. Bye, everyone. <laughs>